not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. I thank you for the singles who are here today expecting to hear something that can change their lives. And I submit to the Holy Spirit so that he can minister the word to their hearts, to their minds, to their souls, and to their lives. I thank you, Lord God, that their lives today will be changed and transformed by what they hear. And that, Lord, the state that they are in right now is temporary because you have much more for them for their future. And so, Lord, I thank you that as I decrease, I, I pray that the anointing of God will surround this place and saturate every heart so that we can leave this place and expect signs, miracles, and wonders to follow in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series called Survivor. Everyone say Survivor. And we're taking the opportunity to minister to our married couples in one service. And of course our single service in this service. And today's lesson I feel is very important for a single person to obtain because it's the foundation for the success of any future relationship and personal fulfillment. I believe many singles spend the majority of their life waiting for the right person while missing out on abundant life in the process. In other words, they are so mentally caught up with being married that they are missing abundant life every day. Amen. They are mentally married, but emotionally miserable. Those are people who every conversation that comes out of their mouth has to do with them being married. Now, how many know being married is not bad? It's not bad. However, I think you can go overboard and be so consumed with it that you miss out on what God's trying to do in you before you get married. So if you're taking notes... I want you to write this down. And if you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down. Our lesson title is Single and Satisfied. Single and Satisfied. And I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. And then I want you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to start in verses 4. That was Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 4. Now, I gave you a countdown on last week of why you may be single. 
I have another countdown today. But this countdown has to do with signs to know if you are desperate to be married or not. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he might be talking about you. Okay, these are just signs to know whether or not you're desperate. Number one, most of your thoughts or conversations are always about getting a man or a woman. Number two, you always make sure you're in a position to be noticed. Number three, when you are willing to lower your Christian standards in order to keep the person you're with. Let me just inject here. Let me help the Christian ladies. Don't lower your guard just because he tells you he's a Christian. Let me tell you why. Because so many Christian women are so desperate for a man. And so when this man says he's a Christian, even though he has no fruit on his tree, but just the fact that he goes to church, because going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Or going to church does not make you live like a Christian. And so as soon as he says, oh yeah, I go to church, I go to church every Sunday, you let every guard that you have down, and when you let your guard down, guess what happens? He takes advantage of it. Amen. Number three, or number four, when your mind is constantly on the creation instead of the creator. In other words, all you can think about is this woman or this man. Number four, number five, when you're always asking someone to fix you up. Girl, fix me up. Ooh, who is that? Ooh, fix me up. Then here's the, number, the next one. When you always offer your phone number without them even asking for it. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, he ain't talking to me. Now look at him again and say, but he's talking to you though. Here's another one. When you constantly think of ways to meet a potential mate. Here's the next one. When you are members of every dating internet site on the World Wide Web. I mean, you, you have membership in they, they are debiting lots of money out of your account because you own every site. Here's the last one. This is not good, but here's the last one. When you have to sleep to keep. Did you get that? Do I need to sign language that one? Okay. If you have to sleep to keep, he needs to go or she needs to go. You know, they called me gay in college. And you know who it was calling me gay? The women. You know why they were calling me gay? Because I wouldn't give them none. <laughs> now, are you in Colossians chapter 2? Go to Colossians 2. Being born in Christ 
makes you complete. You're not half a person looking for another half. You are a whole person. Adam needed a help me, not another half. And many single Christians feel like, oh, my life is not complete until I find the person God has for me. No, no, no. You are a complete person looking for another complete person. Now, in Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 8 just to read the context. Uh, It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10. And you are what, class? Come on now. You're what? You are complete in him and that word him uh, references Christ now I love the uh, another version it says I won't read it let me just say this the word complete there means to make full perfect and to satisfy so what he was saying here in that verse is that you are satisfied in him you are perfect in him you are made full in him and that word uh that word made or complete you know what it it also references is philippians chapter 4 verse 19 you know the scripture that says uh, uh my god shall supply all of my need that word supply is the same word complete. So really we could say my God shall supply or my God shall complete. So in other words, God's all you need. Now you say, well, pastor God don't cook for me. Well, he don't need to cook for you. He gave you two, two hands to cook, but he's all that you need. And if you don't get that, you will search for someone to do something that they were never created to do. Amen. Satisfaction and fulfillment can only come when you have wholly committed yourselves to God first. And then after you do that, you're able to give yourself to someone else. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Most people, singles, they try to give themselves to people first, but they haven't given themselves to God first. And if you try to give yourself to a person before you give yourself to God, they're going to listen. They're going to literally strip you of yourself because God never designed you to give yourself away to someone else before you give yourself to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'm going to start in verse 4. It says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Here's the key verse. And this they did, not as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to who? Who? First they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. In other words... It's not until we've given ourselves to the Lord fully and first and consistently that we can give ourselves to someone else. 
And most singles, they have it backwards. They want to give themselves over to someone, but they haven't wholly given themselves over to God. And, and, and when I was single, one of the prayers that I prayed that you may not want to pray unless you're really serious was this prayer. I said, Lord, I don't want to get married until I can love you right. Now, that's a deep prayer. Sounds simple, but it was a deep prayer because what I was saying was, God, I don't need anybody in my life that I can see until I can love you who I can't see. Because if you can't be faithful to God who you can't see, you will not be able to be faithful to a person that you can see. See, many of you right now can almost determine if you're going to be faithful in your marriage right now by seeing if you're being faithful to God right now. Boy, it's mighty quiet in there on that one. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm saying you're married to God. He is your husband. He is your Lord. So if I'm married to God, then I can show my faithfulness to him right now by how many relationships I jump in and out of. Amen. So, uh, I told this story in the first service, but the context is different. Uh, when I was in Bible school, right before I went to Bible school, I got ordained as a minister. This was in the early 90s. And... Uh, so I was licensed to preach before I got to Bible school. Well, the guy that was part of one of the ministers that was part of the ordination process, uh, he was married to a Trinidadian. And the Lord, now listen, the Lord had told me that I was going to marry somebody that was not from the U.S. Now you have to understand, I had never ever dated anybody that was not an American. So for him to tell me that was really weird. So this guy is doing the ordination, and he, uh, he's married to a Trinidadian, and it just so happens that the school that I was getting ready to go to in Jamaica, his sister-in-law, which was his wife's sister, was actually attending this school at the same time, watch this, starting the same semester as I was starting. They was like, well, we think you should meet her. Well, they showed me a picture, and she was a good-looking girl. Well, I knew I was a good-looking guy. So we get there, and we meet, and uh, we talk a little bit. But see, Christ for the Nations made you sign a waiver that says you will not date anybody your first year in school. You had to sign that. And see, some of y'all be like, I wouldn't be in school then. No, they made you sign a waiver that said, because see, they wanted you to be focused during your first year of school so you wouldn't be distracted. I didn't have a problem signing it. I just signed it. Well, she signed it too, and everybody else signed it. But for some reason, she allowed herself to get distracted. There was this guy that was hounding her. I mean hounding. And it's like some of you all, you don't really like that guy, but because he hounded you so much, you just gave in. Well, you know, he was handling her. And so she ended up really kind of violating the rule. You know, where she spent some time with him. 
And it's because he really liked her. Well, when, the, when, when was, that year was up, you know, she came and we were talking. And so she expected me to talk to her, you know, after the second year. And this is exactly what I said to her. I said, oh, no. I said, I'm too unique to compete. And as a single person, that needs to be your attitude. You are too unique to compete. If he can't make his mind up, make it up for him. Amen. If a single person is not 100% committed to God, watch this, they will be prone to compromise and decoys. I'm going to say that again. If a single person is not 100% committed to God, they will be prone to compromise in decoys. In other words, anytime you're not satisfied with your relationship with God, you will always find a substitute. Go to Jeremiah, if you would, chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. That's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 2. If you're not satisfied 100% with God, you will find a substitute. Everybody say substitute. And here's the problem. A lot of single people, they have substitutes in their life thinking it's going to satisfy them. And it's not. In Jeremiah chapter 2, look in verse 13. It says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of what kind of waters? Living waters. And then they have cut out for themselves cisterns, which are wells or uh, objects that hold water. Watch this. He describes it. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, he's saying, you know, these people, they haven't committed 100% to me. Instead, they've made a commitment to somebody that leaks. It's a substitute that doesn't hold water. It's not going to fulfill them the way they think that it will. And that's why many singles end up in wrong relationships because they are actually looking at cisterns that are broken. Now, how many know Jesus is living water? He's living water. And so this is, go to 2 Corinthians 6. Go to 2 Corinthians 6. Most singles, this is why they end up in what I call unequally yoked relationships. You say, well, what does that mean? Just because a person is a Christian doesn't mean that they are equally yoked with you. Because, see, they can be a Christian in the first grade spiritually. And here it is. You are a Christian and you have finished your master's degree spiritually. You're dating a kindergarten. That's unequally yoked. Or... Here it is, you've been saved for a while and, and uh, you know, you stopped smoking years ago. And uh, this particular person is, they're still a smoker. They still, they're Christian, but they still smoke. Well, you connect with them, you're going to start back smoking. You say, well, no, I'm not. No, because bad company corrupts good manners. 
So people end up in wrong relationships because they are unequally yoked and they don't know that they are unequally yoked. You know why? Because most people who are unequally yoked or who date, they're not in their best spiritual state when they're dating. If you pick somebody to date and you are in your worst spiritual state, chances are that's the wrong person for your life. Did you understand what I just said? In other words, if you know right now you ain't spending no time with God, you don't hear God's voice, you haven't, you know, I mean, basically your spirit is dry. And then you see this girl, chances are how you're looking at her is totally in the flesh. You're not looking at the spirit part of them. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you're there, say I'm there. It kind of describes what I just said. I'm going to start reading in verse 14. It says here, be not unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believed with, with an infidel? In other words, he's saying, you know what? Don't get caught up with someone who is not on the spiritual level that you're on. And most people compromise because they don't have faith that God's going to bring the right man or the woman. Amen. So how do you avoid a wrong relationship? Because, see, to be single and satisfied, you got to learn how to sift through wrong relationships. And you got to be able to do it up front. Because, see, once you get into a relationship, if you get too involved, it's very difficult to get out of it. This is why I recommend no physical at all. For six to eight months. One amen. Praise God. I'm going to have to put some audience clapping and stuff on the podcast. So people can know I'm talking to somebody. No, no, no. Let me tell you why. Because if you start physically getting involved. It's very difficult now to pull away if you have to. See, the scripture says when a man gets married, he says, you know, he leaves his father and his mother and he cleaves to his wife. When you look at the word cleave, it really means to join in union physically. So when you have sex as a single person with someone that is not your mate, what ends up happening is that you have now cleaved to someone that you should not have. And now when it's time for you to separate, it's difficult because your emotions now and your physical man has now been attached to this person. So how do you avoid all that? First of all, here's number one. You got to make sure you're in fellowship with God on a consistent basis as a single person. You got to make sure that you're in touch with God. Because if you don't, man, the devil sends people your way all the time. So you got to be in fellowship with God. Number two, never give an unbeliever the time of day. I don't care how fine she is. Oh, man, she's fine. Oh, man, he's fine. 
Listen, they can be fine as a dime with some change left over. But if they are an unbeliever, you should not give them the time of day. Why? Because you're going in two different directions. He worship, he, listen, he's not committed to God, but you are. He'll change. Do you know they'll come to church just for you? You never want to be with an unbeliever. Don't give an unbeliever the time of day. Here's number three. Pray before you say. Before you ask her for a phone number, before you pray. Because God will tell you if this is the right person for you anyway. Or should you get involved with them anyway. Here's number four. Watch the person for at least three months before asking them out. You say, well, three months. Pastor Jesus will be back before the end. Well, no, no, you got to watch. I am out of time. You got to, this is practical stuff here, guys. You got to watch them long enough because they change. Somebody said they sure do. Here's another criteria of how to stay out of a wrong relationship. Are they close to the spiritual grade you're in? Here's another one. What commitment level are they at? See, you can be saved, but have a low commitment to the Lord. See, there are five commitments a person can have. Here's the first one. Not saved at all. That's a person who have not asked Jesus to come in their life. They going to bust hell wide open. They not saved. Excuse me. You know, y'all know what I mean, right? Y'all use that as a cuss word anyway. But basically, that's a person that is not even saved. Then level four is not committed at all. Mean they saved, but they're not doing nothing for God. They got saved one day and that's it. But then you got level number three, which is somewhat committed. Now, a person who's somewhat committed is where 75% of their life is committed, to, uh, is, is uh, not committed to the Lord. And then there's this 25% that is somewhat committed. And then you have the committed level. That's what, to me where most Christians are, where 75% of their life is committed to the Lord. But there is this 25% that's a struggle, and it ain't a submitted struggle. Basically, you cuss, and you're going to always cuss because you ain't trying to stop cussing. You know, you drink, and you ain't going to stop drinking. Basically, you're not trying to bring the 25 down to 24 to 23, so your commitment. But then you have fully committed. Now, fully committed. The percent is the same as committed, where 75% of your life is committed to the Lord. But then there is this 25%, but it's a submitted 25%. It's where you're saying, Lord, I don't want to cuss no more. Lord, I don't want to drink no more. Lord, I want. So basically, you're bringing that commitment level up and that uncommitted piece down. And so here's the question. Where is your commitment level? Where is that person's commitment level? Because if their commitment level is not close to where yours is, you know what's going to end up happening? Compromise. Everybody say compromise. Now, don't grade their commitment level based on if they go to church. 
That's part of it. But that's not all of it. Because if you grade it as if that's all of it, man, you're going to have a difficult time getting out of that relationship because you have someone who's, do you know that people who go to church are like people that go to hospitals? You know, spiritually sick. So you got to develop some rules in your relationship. And here's the rule, and I'm going to stop right here. Here's, here's something I want you to think about. Spiritual instructions should always override emotional attachments. I'm going to say it again. Spiritual instructions. God tells you that's not the right man. That's not the right woman. That's a spiritual instruction. It should never it should, or it should always override how you feel. Because if it doesn't override how you feel, you'll end up in a relationship that you'll have to beg God to get out of later. And so the bottom line in what I'm trying to say to you today, you got to be so content with being single. It doesn't mean you're not going to get married one day. It just means that I will get married when it's my season. And when it is your season, let me tell you what's going to happen. Favor to get married is going to come. Here it was. I'm minding my own business. I go on a missions trip. I go to school in Jamaica. Everything is fine. I, I meet my wife in a really weird way. She was talking. <laughs> Loud. That's, that's just my wife, you know. I was in my, where, where my room was, was the drop-off point for all the students. So uh, I'm in my room, uh, and I don't like the room because there was this big roach on the wall. This was a Jamaican roach. Now, Jamaican roaches are big, about like that. So I'm, I'm trying to hit this roach, and, and I miss the roach, and he start flying. <laughs> flying roaches in Jamaica. But I hear this voice outside, loud, cackling. And I said this to myself. I said, I would never marry somebody that loud. <laughs> I look out of the window, and it, it's my wife, but she wasn't my wife then. Long story short, though, God ships me to Jamaica. Then he puts us together. Let me tell you how. They had this thing called Project Timothy, where an older student gets coupled with a new student, so the new student... Can, you know, the old student can show them, you know, around town and how to catch a taxi and where to go and all this. And so they never put guys with girls. They never did that. But in the history of this school, they did it for the first time because they ran out of guys. So guess who they put me with? <laughs> that cackling girl. She ain't here to defend herself. She's at a soccer game right now. So... So the dean of students puts us together, right? Well, I'm having a problem with that because I'm a first-year student. I don't need any distractions. She's a good-looking girl, so I don't need that as no temptation. She's getting ready to graduate. I don't want to be in her mind. So I went. I, so we sat down. And she was like, okay, let me, let me tell you. Uh, I said in Jamaica. Uh, how do I say it in Jamaica? Uh, uh, I can't say it, but. 
she was like, I'll tell you how to get to town, how to catch a taxi and all that kind of stuff. And so when she got done, I was like, that's fine. I said, you know what? I'm going to the dean of students. I'm going to ask him to give me somebody else. She was like, what's wrong? I was like, well, I just don't need any distractions, and you don't either. I say, so I'm going, and she's looking at me like, what is wrong with this fool? So I go to the dean, I, I make an appointment. I go to the dean of students. We both sitting in there. And he says, uh, may I help you? I said, well, uh, I need another Paul. Because she was Paul, I was Timothy. I said, I need another Paul. He's like, what's the problem? I said, well, I just don't need any distractions. This is my first year. This is her last year. I don't need all that. And he just let me talk. And then he says, I don't know what the problem is between you two. But I prayed and the Lord told me to put y'all together. So whatever y'all got to do to make it work, y'all just got to make it work. Watch this. So finally, when I did get revelation that this is my wife, after a year, when the Lord told me, I said, he told me to get married right after school. And I had spent all of my money to pay for school. I'm just to show you how provision is there when you obey God and you stay committed to him. I go to, you know, he tells me to get married after school. I said, Lord, I don't have enough money to get married and then come back to the stage. And he said, are you getting married according to your riches and glory or mine? Watch this. I get a phone call. I went to her pastor. He, or first I asked her dad and then I talked to her pastor and everything was good. And the Lord put it on the heart of somebody that her mom used to work for years ago to pay for our whole wedding. And there are some people in this room, God wants to pay for your whole wedding if you will let him. See, <laughs> no, literally, I paid for one thing, and that was the wedding ring. And it was about $300. It wasn't a wedding ring. It was just a ring. But here's my point. I stayed committed to God. I was happy being single. I was happy with God. And once he saw that I could love somebody else and love him too, he says, oh, it's not good for Evan to be alone. I need to make him a help me. Somebody that's going to help him fulfill the ministry that I have for him. Somebody that's going to help him one day start a church that he don't even know he's going to start. Somebody who's going to uh, have the energy to, to have kids and be able to cook because he can't. To be able to have faith for things that will push him out of his comfort zone. Somebody who it's going to literally help birth the dream that I put inside of him. And here we are 17 years later. And I wouldn't pick nobody different. Every head by and every eye closed. Here's my question. Are you single and separate?